Welcome to the Surviving Middle School Podcast. I'm Mike Farah, father of Finnegan, a seventh grader, and Elijah, a fourth grader. And I'm Dee Dee Thomas, mom of two. I've got Charles in seventh grade and Walker in second. We are two New York City parents trying to manage the city and the beautiful struggle of raising kids. Today we are talking about Fortnite Battle Royale, the game that has swept the nation. Literally. 125 million players worldwide, a game produced by Epic Games. It's something that I think every middle school parent is going to have to deal with if they're not dealing with it already. And I, it started to get crazy last year. We first started learning about it last year when I was on a field trip and the teachers said that they started to notice children falling asleep in class because they were playing Fortnite till two or three in the morning, sometimes later, and that the two biggest problems that they faced were Fortnite and Juul, which was a electronic cigarette or something of the nature. But it was a serious problem for them that had disrupted sleep patterns in middle school. That was the first time at that breakfast that I had really heard how big of a deal it was. Charles had been asking about it, but I wasn't in a rush to let him play another game. So after that breakfast, it's also when I started to look into the game a little bit to try and discover what it was all about. And the basic premise of the game is that you go out and you try and acquire a bunch of stuff. Wood, rock, guns, and it's a first-person shooter game. Looking at it visually, it is, it's beautiful. It is a really, they've done a really good job. The colors are so vibrant. The video game could be a movie in how realistic some of the action sequences are. Available on multiple platforms. Yep. It's rated T for teen, but let's face it, Charles has seen Mission Impossible, which is the same in terms of the violent level. Black Panther, it's whatever he's getting in terms of visually, it's no more or less violent than this video game. That's not what I object to. It is the addictive nature that this game has that I really don't think Charles needs in his life. Yeah, the, the revenue generated was $2 billion in July. And that was down 2% from uh, a previous um, mark. And so the question is, um, do we let our kids play? And have you played? And so do you? how do you regulate what Charles desire to do this? Because there's also a very social aspect to there's the a, game. There's a very social aspect of it. And at the end of the day, the answer has been no for the most part. He wanted this game and he had been asking time and again can mom can i get fortnite all my friends are playing i'm like well i don't who cares he's like but mom that's all they talk about is 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 fortnite and that was all they talked about at recess at school and then it was all they talked about at camp and i kept saying to him but if you're at camp and you guys have a pool and you're playing capture the flag and there's there's basketball and soccer and all your friends want to talk about is a video game, there's a problem. He's like, I know, Mom, but I'm the only one. And I said to him, listen, you don't need this game. I'm, I'm sorry, but you don't need to have another game that you are playing all the time. And also, one of the rules in our house is that I like them. It's not really a rule, but I like Walker and Charles to be able to play with each other so that there's not one kid that's sitting there playing a game that the other one isn't involved with. So I really try to encourage them to be interactive if they're going to play games. And 
it's one thing for my 12-year-old to play a game that's, that's a little violent. It's another thing for my seven-year-old to be exposed to it. So that was another reason why I didn't want it in the house. But um, there's such an incentive for them to spend money on something that is completely cosmetic. And they've made so much money on it. And I was reading this survey where they said they had surveyed about a thousand people that play the game. And the average was about $80 that they had spent to make, you know, for their avatars on Fortnite. And Charles does not have that kind of money to spend on a video game. I just, I can't. I can't imagine it. A free video game that, that people are spending so much money on to make their character look stronger or to, or to, or to have skins and to have the right vehicle. I just, it's, it's beyond me that he would need to do that. Not a bad reminder to all the parents out there to go back onto your devices and check the box where it says no in-app purchases. Yep. That, you, that you are the one that remains in control of that. There's stories out there of kids taking their parents' credit card and spending thousands of dollars there's on actually, skins. Right now on GoFundMe, there's something like 10,000 different accounts of people asking for money to fuel their Fortnite app. What a business model. Unbelievable. Really, we are in the wrong business. If you're interested in advertising on the <laughs> middle school podcast, please let us know. No, I don't think we're going to make a million do- a billion dollars here, but if it is unbelievable the amount of money that they are making yeah. on gaming. And, you know, it, there's no sign that gaming is going to retreat. I think it's only going to increase with the onset of virtual reality and artificial intelligence. I just think that there's going to be more virtual experiences that people are going to be seeking out and more online social experiences that people are going to be having that will continue to reel them in. And it'll be interesting. Our kids are going to be growing up in a different world than we grew up in, which is true for us as a generation too, I think. True. But when you were their age, did you play video games like this? We had an Atari 2600, so we were allowed to play Pong. which I was an excellent Pong player, but that was very exciting to play Pong. And Space Invaders were the two video games that we had. So I may be a little bit older than most uh, of the people out there. You know, when we talked about our common experience with Galaga and how when we went to uh, arcades or parlors, that was the game of choice for the two of us. To this day. Oh, Asteroids, too. I take it back. Oh, Asteroids. We had Asteroids on my Atari as well, which was uh, great. And it was, it could be consuming. You would find yourself, you know, trying to spend many hours. And I noticed that, uh, you know behavior in me as a kid I can look back 40 years ago and see myself and I remember the time that I would spend trying to get a higher score on that video game and going to a friend's house and they had a better video game and that was my experience with better video games and I would come back and try and beg my parents for the video game and they would say no and my son's having the same experience I had and uh, me telling him, no, we're not going to get an Xbox and, uh, and we're not going to spend um, hard-earned money on uh, video games. In part because I think there's always something uh, better that they can be doing. But again, video games have evolved over time. They have. And I know that I was definitely a joystick kid. If it was a joystick, I could do it. This, once they moved to the handheld with the flipping of the thumbs, I, it's not my thing. But I do remember the one game that I had a chance of really getting super entrenched in was Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers. And my brother would get it to the point where I had like 100 lives and then get it, give it to me, but I could never advance to that level. And at that point, I was done. Like I was like, this is not for me. And I really haven't gotten that love for video games since then. I do think it's also more of a 
male-dominated interest. There are some women that play the, play the games, but I think primarily those kind of quest games tend to be more focused towards males. I have no desire to play this game, but Charles has that interest. Now, a few weeks ago, he went over to one of his really good buddies' house, and I know that his friend plays Fortnite all the time. And so he texted me when he was on the bus and said, Mom, can I play Fortnite at my friend's house? And I did say yes, because I did not want the entire afternoon be Charles sitting there while his friend is playing the game and him feeling like he couldn't be a part of it. So for that one day, he got to play, and he was very happy. Having said that, a few days ago, we were at an event, and we were with one of Charles's friends, and we were all engaged in this event, and then his friend pulled out his phone and started playing Fortnite. And I remember looking at Charles saying, this is why you don't need this game. Because here we are as a group all together, and the kid couldn't resist playing the game, and that's why he doesn't need that. Yeah, there's many studies out there that will tell you the importance of downtime for your brain, that how uh, boredom leads to creativity and how you need to give your brain a rest, especially as we're living a more uh, wired life these days or a more online life that we have to really try and figure out a way to quiet our brains, especially young developing brains. So we had a similar experience. Finn wanted to have Fortnite, and I said, no, you cannot have Fortnite. He played it at another friend's house. We went to a basketball tournament in Florida, and there were 15 of his teammates that were at the tournament, and they all had Fortnite. And in the downtown, he was the one child that did not have Fortnite. Out of how many kids? 15. Wow. So I made a decent, you know, compromise, I think, to be honest with you. I said, sure, you can have Fortnite while we're away on the trip. I don't want you to be a social pariah. You can go ahead and play with the 15 guys that you're here with now. One of the reasons I also allowed it is because the majority of the day they were out playing basketball, right? They were getting physical activity. One, they were socially interacting at mealtimes, right? This was downtime. After they'd gotten back to the hotel, they had charger phones up and they wanted to all play together, enter the game at the same time, enter the same room, and see who would be the last person standing in this game. So I allowed it, but the second we got back to New York, whoop, delete, off it came. And that was an interesting struggle for him. And I said, do you want to do it or do you want me to do it? And he goes, if you could do it, I think it would be easier for me if instead of deleting it. Because he lost... All of the stuff that he had gathered along the way. And then there was another day, a trip that he had had with a friend away from the family. And the kid had Fortnite. So I allowed him to have it for three three days over the course of a a trip where the kid was spending a a large portion of the time uh, with him. And so I allowed him to have Fortnite then. And that was interesting because he was away. I had to give my phone to the other parent. The parent disabled the controls and did not re-enable the controls, right? So when the phone came back to me in New York City, I had to re-enable the restrictions, take Fortnite off the phone and a couple of other games that had been on there off the phone as well. And so uh, that, that was an interesting experience for him. And I think he was appreciative of me allowing him to have that even on a limited basis. I don't think he's that into it. I think Elijah, my youngest child, enjoys watching people play Fortnite more than he enjoys playing Fortnite, which is kind of, uh, you know, there's another huge industry with Twitch and other sites where kids can go watch other people play video games. There was obviously a tragic multiple person shooting that happened at a gaming site where many people had gathered to watch other people play video games. And 
again, I think that's another space where the culture is changing over time. And we have to figure out a way that our children are going to navigate that part of the culture. One of the things that is very clever about how Fortnite works, if you're not familiar with it, is how Ben was able to play with all 15 members of his basketball team. Because no matter how often you do play, you all can start on one level. And at that moment, even if you have been playing for weeks and you're not that good of a player, you can experience things within the game that levels the playing field. So the best player may not have a good game and the worst player may end up with some really cool stuff that they were able to find around the corner. So it encourages people that aren't that good to keep playing because it gives them prizes for no reason, which is a nice, a nice way to live. So kids can really kind of enjoy that. I'm interested also to see how long Fortnite will last. Because with all video games, they have a, I think they have a shorter run now than they used to have. Definitely. There was Pac-Man in the 80s. For a decade. For, for I mean, yes. for maybe five or six years, it was the hottest thing in town. And Super Mario Brothers and Lara Croft. Like, all these things had their moments where they were the hottest thing ever. And now it's Fortnite. Now yeah, Fortnite. I, I remember back with Minecraft. and oh, that Minecraft, had Minecraft course. had a shelf life. Like, I think it was uh, really hot for a while. And all of our kids were playing it, and we allowed them to go and build these universes. I, you know, I, I didn't really have a, a problem with it, but it was taking a lot of their time to build these universes, which, you know, Elijah and Finn both learned to program a little bit with Minecraft, just rudimentary programming some of the stuff yep. there, which was great for them. They learned the science of it. I mean, I had to learn the science of it because we were doing it together, and he was eight years old, so that was interesting. But... Minecraft ran its course. Now, there's some people that stay with it, right? And that may be an important game for them moving forward. And I'm sure Fortnite was hot, really hot. And as they saw in their revenue, it's down to only a billion dollars now. So I don't know how much longer it's going to last, but I have a feeling it maybe not till the end of the year. It will be interesting to see, though, how going back to school changes the dynamics of the game. Because if you do have a child who has been hooked on the game all summer, now is a great time to wean them off before the school year really gets into full swing. Now that we are back to school, I had to remind our kids of the, of the house rules during school year, which is no cartoons in the morning and no video games at all during the week. And during the week means from Sunday at 6 p.m. till Friday at 4, no video games. They're allowed to watch YouTube for about an hour, and they can watch TV for an hour to an hour and a half, and that is it. Everything else that happens in our house has to be interactive, whether it's Battleship or Skipbo or Uno. We have to be having them play games where they are actually involving one of us or their brother. And, hey, it's, it's actually great right now when it's still warm outside, when they can go out to the park for a little bit. It does get more challenging when it gets cold outside and it gets darker earlier. But that was our rule all last year, and it worked. So it made it where they, they really couldn't you know, play video games. So that's a great way to wean your kids off if you're worried about them and their addiction of Fortnite going into the school year. That, you know, it's interesting because the parameters that we really need to set are true for both our younger kids who go to a no-homework school where they expect family time and human interaction with your kids to happen after school. Right, So they, they kind of give us uh, a guide to say, we're not providing homework, but these are the things, activities we'd like you to do. And I think everything you talked about was things that were on that list. Right, I think I'm going to go out and buy a battleship today. We haven't played that in a long time, and I loved that game as a kid. And um, I think we'll go out and we'll have it ready for this week for school. 
But I think their natural instinct is to go back to the way things were the summer, and, and that is going to change a little bit, especially for our older sons who now have uh, a different kind of schedule. School's going to be a little bit tougher than it was last year. Um, they're much, they are required to be much more independent than they were last year, and uh, I think the teachers are going to expect more of them. So it's incumbent upon us to make sure that they're on schedule. Yeah, when you mentioned that the teacher – was having problems because the kids were staying up until 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. That freaked me out because that means that the parents are asleep and the kids are still there in their bedroom with the lights off and the glow of the phone playing a game, which is not good for anybody. So if, if your kids have phones, like I would just suggest that you establish a rule where when that phone gets turned off, it goes into the other room or something because... I catch myself doing it sometimes. If I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm awake, I'll grab my phone. I can't blame my kid for doing the same thing, but if the phone isn't close to them, then they can't do that. But that was a very rude awakening that they are doing things when we're not aware, when we're asleep. That's something that you could really nip in the bud right there by restricting where the phone goes. Yeah, that was a parameter I had to set, not necessarily for my child, but at a sleepover in my house. I had a child who went to bed, I thought, and sure enough, I heard the game in the background with a headset on, and I had to go in and take his phone and put it in by my bedstand instead of by his bedstand. And it was already midnight at that point, and so I found out quickly about um, sleep patterns of other kids and wow. how things are uh, introduced to uh, our own kids. And you know, it's again. Don't be afraid to set parameters. We are adults. We are parents. We, are, we need to do our job, and we don't be afraid to tell kids, no, you can't do this or that's unacceptable behavior, uh, especially as they try and um, create more freedoms for themselves. It's, uh, it's incumbent upon us to try and keep them in line. Have you experienced other games recently that um, Finn has really been playing a lot or addicted to? No, he has one other game called Zoms that he likes, but I deleted that off of his phone um, once I found it. It was hidden in three subfolders, which took me a while to find out. But, you know, I think one of the things you'll see when kids get older is that their behavior changes around their phone. So when Finn comes home from school, he'll seek to avoid human interaction with a parent. Like, he will tend to go to the room where I'm not <laughs> <laughs> so that he can be alone with his phone, right? Because if he's in my eyesight with a phone, then I'm the one yelling at him, put the phone down, or I will consistently ramble off the 27 activities that a child could be doing that are better than a phone, even if my son's not interested in the glue gun, at least that's son, right? There's, I'm always going to throw it out there for him to be able to do and make sure that he has the ability to do that. Now, Finn, the first thing he does when he comes finishes school is he wants to go to the YMCA to play basketball. But there, I'm not crazy. I have gone to the Y and stalked him there to make sure that he is not sitting in the stands, <laughs> right. you know, with his or iPhone playing a game. Yes, kids, li yeah. like that because that is what has happened with some kids. They go to the park because they want to play video games without being in the eyes of their parents. Wow. Right, so you you always have to keep your eyes on kids and monitor the behavior. You know, I, I've uh, turned the Wi-Fi off in my house occasionally, right? You know, so he's going to burn through his data plan by the 15th of the month, and then he's, you know, YouTube videos or anything else are going to be very hard to get outside of school. If he's burned through his data, he's got to come back home and uh, log on to our Wi-Fi to be able to get the things that he needs. 
Now he'll still have enough to get his email back right. and forth, but um, you know th that's another change in, in behavior as well. Well, the other thing that we have is we do have a switch, a Nintendo Switch, and just recently Charles has come up asking if he could buy the extended plan on the Switch, where if you pay for the online service, it gives you access to more games, more more opportunities to play, and. I said to him, the last thing that you should be asking me in the days before school starts is for something that will enable you to play a game more. So the answer right now is no. But I said, I think about it, and maybe around the holidays when you're going to have a couple of weeks, and we'll talk about whether or not there's something for you. But going into seventh grade, <laughs> you're not going to get the online plan <laughs> that gives you more <laughs> access when I'm trying to, to curb your access. But it's, so it's not just Fortnite. There's all these places that are trying to, to get them beyond that pay up or to get beyond that paywall. And they don't need it. They don't need it at, at this age. You know, the other thing in human behavior for our kids is that I try and make sure that Finn interacts with the world around him as much as possible. And that world can be limiting sometimes if you're on your phone the whole time. So making sure that he's talking to the guy at the dry cleaners that he's going to do the shopping, that he's talking to the customer service agent at AT&T because you don't want them wrapped up into the world of the phone. You want them to go out and learn the lessons of uh, what life is and um, trying to give them a little bit more independence. They may think it's a pain at the time you're asking them to do that, um, but I, I think it's something that um, is kind of phone-related instead of having your phone down and having your parents do things for you. There's always stuff that can be, you know, you could figure out ways for kids to interact in the world. Elijah also wanted a, a Nintendo Switch, and I said that I would buy him all the baking supplies that he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and he Is said, that what? that why you guys were making macarons last year? We, we, we are, he, I, he watched uh, the great British baking show on YouTube, took a, a liking to baking and cooking. And so we've tried to do that a little bit more than usual. That is a great it's idea. It's also the reason why I probably ride the bike once or twice uh, a week to try <laughs> and do that, to try and work those pounds off. But it also, you know, was, it started with one of the recommendations to the school was that you start baking because it involves math and science and interaction with a human parent can lead oh, to I a lot of that. positive results if, you cooking, if you're cooking with, with them. them. That's it for today. Uh, thank you for listening. Help us keep the conversation going. Send us your questions to survivingmiddleschoolpod at gmail or visit us at survivingmiddleschoolpod.com. And check back with us next week or subscribe for our latest installment of Surviving Middle School. Thank you. <laughs>